0: Hi, you're listening to Fresh from the Hill. I'm your host, Sydney Mann, class of 2018. And today we will be talking to Alexis Wilson, class of 2019. Hi, it's been a really long time. And I've been, I I mean, I follow you on social media and everything, and we've stayed in touch, but it's just been wonderful to see what you've been doing since Cornell and just how you've gotten involved in everything you were passionate about when you were an undergrad. Um, So, can you tell me a little bit about? how you came to Cornell and decided to study environmental sciences?
1: Yes. Uh, so when I was really young, I was definitely always interested in science. You know, I did the elementary school science for projects and, you know, I still have my little awards from that. So I've definitely always been interested in science. Um, but really, actually, my interest was forensic science. I mm-hmm. like strangely had a really strong interest in that. Um, and then fast fast well, forward to high school, um, I had a biology teacher who was really more of an environmental science teacher. So I really didn't learn that much biology. Um, and so I just like got hooked basically and um, ended up doing some urban agricultural projects with him and doing around mm-hmm. Chicago. And then um, I took AP environmental science. And what really like solidified my desire to do environmental science in college was I did a summer research program at the University of Illinois, Mm -hmm. um, Urbana-Champaign, when I was going into my senior year of high school. So from that, I got to experience environmental research and say like, oh, not only can I like study this, but I can be a scientist in this Mm -hmm. field. So after that, I was like, okay, now I know what I want to major in, what I want to do. And so I started looking for schools. I saw that Cornell had this College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And I was like, this seems perfect. And um, I actually did not think that I would get in. It was like my top choice and like my, oh, this is a reach. Like, you know, we'll just apply, see what happens. And yeah, yeah as you know, it worked out. So yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like when you were younger, you had a role model that really introduced you to like the field of environmental sciences. And then at Cornell, you could really access those and like make use of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So can you um, then tell me about some of the projects you did at Cornell as well for your research?
1: Yeah, so when I got to Cornell, um, when I applied, I talked in my application about how I was interested in research, and so I was actually admitted into this research program um, called the Rawlings Research Scholars Program. Um, I think there's a longer name than that, but that's the gist. Mm and so part of that was that they supported undergrads and doing research while they were there. And mm-hmm. so my first year, I joined a lab, the um, Joseph Yavit lab, who was my advisor all four years um, and he focuses on like forest ecology and litter decomposition and things like that. So I just kind of picked a lab that seemed interesting. the advisor was supportive and mm-hmm. he basically told me you can kind of do whatever you want and <laughs> you you know I'll support you so I was like this sounds great so um through that I did um the first couple of years like freshman year sophomore year I just helped other people in the lab just getting my hands into a bunch of different research projects I looked at roots under microscopes I like did one study a little bit of a study where I was looking at insects which I really didn't like because I really do not like bugs so I was like I'm never doing that again <laughs> Um, but by the time I got to my junior and senior year, I started my honors thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was looking at the impact of drought on litter decomposition, which is leaves um, mm-hmm. in a forest in New York. And it was cool because that paper just recently got published in a journal in September. Um, so it's cool to see that work from 2019 finally being like finished and, and published in a scientific oh. journal. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And um I thought that work was really interesting um, because we had that crazy drought in New York while we were there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was like a perfect time to, to do that study, a study of opportunity. Um, so yeah, I did a bunch mm-hmm. of different things, but mostly fo- focused on like forest ecology and drought and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally forgot that there was a drought when we were at yeah. school, especially after I graduated and you were writing your thesis, I mm-hmm. there, there was a drought. Um, and yeah. it sounds like. One, well, also, congratulations on having your work published. That's incredibly exciting. Thank you. How has that felt for you putting all the work into what you've been doing um, and then seeing your work get published?
1: Yeah, it's been really crazy because uh, it's a long process, right? So I graduated in 2019, that's when I submitted my honors thesis. Mm-hmm. So it was like done. And then you go through this process of like kind of rewriting it for a journal style and then you have to submit it, and then you do revisions, right? So they're like, change this, change this. So I'm so thankful for my advisor um, Mm -hmm. who was really helping me with that process, really leading me through it, because um, of course it's been like three years since 2019. So it's been a while. Um, And on my end, it was a lot of like revising Mm -hmm. figures and just really trying to get the paper um, approved for the journal. Um, so mm-hmm. after that long process, seeing it finally come out has been like super exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And I've shared it with the labs that I'm a part of at Stanford and they've been super supportive and congratulating me because it is a great first milestone as like a, a research scientist. Yeah. So that's been great. Um, one scary thing that I didn't anticipate is like now that it's out and it's public, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want anybody to read this. <laughs> like. I know obviously it's good quality work, you know, of course, once you do a research project, you always think about all the things you could have done better, but I'm like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. it's out there for the world. Like people can read this forever now. Like I'm still reading people's studies from like 1950, you know, like it's out there forever. So it's kind of scary. I never thought about that, but I mean, it's out now. So whatever happens with it happens with it. But yeah, yeah, it's exciting.
0: Yeah. It's hard to make your work visible and then also have it almost be like timeless where anybody can access it and um, make it. I know in academia, sometimes it's hard to make sure when people are citing your work that it's within the right context. Um, So that ownership is a lot of what I'm hearing and that caring over the work you've done. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I have a a lab mate who told me when their first paper came out, they like look at the citations and see exactly what people said about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to do that the first couple of times and then just be like, okay, I'm done.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just not like the self-acceptance of knowing you've done a good job. And it sounds like you've had a lot of support at Cornell to make that work Mm -hmm. possible.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and I, I wanted to bridge into like more of that support because I was reading your website and I know that one of the things you focus on, you brought up drought and you brought up your work in Chicago, which is where you're from. And then New York, which are two, um, well, New York, there's New York state and then there's New York city, but, um, you talk a lot about environmental justice and climate change. Uh, can you tell me more about your relationship with that?
1: Yeah. Um, so After I finished Cornell, I decided to go straight into a PhD program. Um, So I ended up going to Stanford University, which I'm here now, my fourth year. Um, So when I got here, um, actually when I was choosing who I wanted to work with at Stanford, I was like very clear with them that I really didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Um, Like I knew the overall field. I knew I was interested in climate change, like forest slash soils. And I wanted to do something a little bit more with people, but I didn't know an exact project right. So I was finding advisors that would allow me to kind of explore my first year or so. Mm -hmm. And look, I mean, I found two advisors that really have allowed me to do that. And so my first year, um, which actually we're on a quarter system. So COVID began in my spring quarter of my first year. So I only got two quarters on campus, but Mm -hmm. that'll come in later. But anyways, my first year, I really just took classes and tried to explore different things. And so I took um, an environmental justice class where we got to do a community-based kind of project during it. Um, And during that, I volunteered at this urban agricultural farm in San Francisco. And while I was there, I was like, hmm, it's kind of not the best location. Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if the soil was okay. Cause one of my advisors studies like, you know heavy metal contamination and like food and soil. And so I was like, I wonder if this soil is like safe for these people to be using. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of sparked my interest. So yeah, I just joined the environmental justice organizations on campus, took as many of the few classes Mm -hmm. that they had at the time, focused on EJ. And then that's when I was like, okay, I can see a way that I can combine my main scientific field, which is um, soil biogeochemistry. I can combine that with environmental justice by Mm -hmm. looking at an issue that kind of interconnects both of these major like things. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just kind of got involved with it by really exploring different avenues and just realizing that I want my work to be impactful. Um, Like the work I was doing in forest systems was super cool and very relevant Mm -hmm. for global climate um, and nutrient cycling. I was like, I want something that's really a little more connected to people and how climate change and environmental, you know, issues face communities of color and low income communities the most. Yeah, um, And so I was like, I really want to do something that tackles that. And so yeah. that's
0: kind of how my, my research came about. Yeah, You mentioned something um, you said, like doing stuff with people and like helping the community and the interconnectedness, um, which stood out to me because that is a lot of what you did at uh, school. So it's really nice to hear about um, you being able to kind of combine um, your academic field While finding and cultivating community um Mm -hmm. and like you've said across difference and the systemic impacts and kind of seeing like on the ground you can make a change
1: yeah yeah that's really important to me um because I don't want my research to be exploitative and I also Mm -hmm. don't want it to be there's a lot of value in basic science where you're just learning for the sake of learning you know, something new about whatever topic you're focusing on. But I also think there's a really big importance on applied science and something that has a direct impact on people. So
2: mm-hmm. you know, I
1: do my work as much as possible with community-based partnerships. So mm-hmm. if I am going to go into this community that, for one, I'm most likely not a part of, mm-hmm. um, and it is a more marginalized community, making sure that we're making this project in partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and just making sure that it's actually beneficial to that community and not just me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a hard line to not, like, commodify somebody else's voices or exploit them when you are in a position of power. And it's it's really nice to hear you're doing community work and also being thoughtful. I've referenced the relationship and the commonality we have, and I realized, like, for somebody who would be listening to this, they might not know what we're talking about, <laughs> but Alexis and I, um, Alexis was actually my facilitator um, at Cornell's Intergroup Dialogue Project. And um, she was a role model to me, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanna talk to her, but um, you could talk about IDP if you want, but where did you find community on campus? Cause you've talked a lot about community being important to you um, or communities, cause there are many.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely would say as a Black undergrad student at Cornell, like building community was a purposeful thing that I had to do. It wasn't um super easy for me to mm-hmm. just make community naturally. Um, so one of those places was the Intergroup Dialogue Project where I found a community of people that were very invested in um kind of breaking down these systems of oppression that I've experienced my whole life. Um, so that's one place, and I can definitely talk more about my time at IDP. Um, there's also, you know, there is a Black undergraduate community at Cornell, and that was really my my strength while I was there. Just finding friends and mm-hmm. having that support system was really important. Um, it was a little bit tougher in my major, honestly, to find people that I connected with and mm-hmm. that I, you know, worked well with. So there were a few people that you know we worked together over the years, but for the most part, I honestly found more of my community outside of mm-hmm. my immediate department. Um, but I hope that's changed a bit since I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, and I did some organizations too while I was there, um, some environmental organizations and things like that. I did a, I was on a dance team throughout college, you know, yeah. for fun, Urban Blaze. So uh, I just tried to find things outside of my immediate major to like find other yeah. things that I was interested in and where I could find like-minded people. And so yeah. I definitely think I found that while I was yeah. there. For me.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned um, like having to build community and being very intentional with that, especially you've mentioned as um, a Black student and a Black woman working in STEM. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. What
0: stands out to me was that you found community outside of your major um, through um, learning with one another, but also um, the barriers you're talking about are important. And I imagine that they exist in the fields of STEM. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And my field in particular, so many names environmental science, geosciences, earth science, you know, the whole field, the whole earth, basically. <laughs> um, but that field, like, it's one of the least diverse fields, you know, out there, not just in STEM, but just in general. And so mm. it is definitely a um, challenge to be a Black woman in this field. Again, though, I have found community that I've been able to find that supported me throughout this journey. Um, so, yeah, it is. It is tough being a woman in STEM, a Black woman in STEM, a uh, blah, blah, blah in STEM, <laughs> um, but
0: yeah. Yeah, and those are like the markers, too, of like the socialization of learning what roles exist for people, and you found a lot of joy, it sounds like, too, in the community you've cultivated for yourself, like Urban Blaze. I remember dance being like very central to your Cornell experience. Uh, can you tell me more about the dance team? You were involved in. Yeah,
1: so um, I, you know, it was a very spur of the moment thing. So I did sports all growing up. So my main sports were soccer, and then in high school I did cross country and track. So nice. briefly, when I came to Cornell, you know, I talked to the running coaches. I thought about doing it, um, but a they wanted me to get faster, like over <laughs> the summer, and I was like, that's a lot of training. And then I was like, I'm not going to be a professional athlete at this point, so I would probably rather spend my time doing something different, you know? Um, I always liked dance. I did a little bit of it when I was younger, and so I just saw this team perform at, like, one of the freshman orientation type events, and I was like, this looks super cool. I'm just going to try out, and I I made it on the team my first year, and I stayed all four years, so it was so fun. We got to perform throughout Cornell, you know, campus at different events. And um, we even performed at Ithaca College once. And so it was kind of cool to just be a part of that. um, And there's so many dance teams on Cornell's (laughs) campus. And so to get to like do shows with other dance groups Mm -hmm. and meet all the different dances on campus was a really fun part of my experience. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, And it relates back to what you were saying about like, Finding community, you know, at Cornell, I, I think institutionally it sounds like, and also as we know, it can be hard, like in the academic setting, to really find like belonging. And I think one of the special things about Cornell is that there are many avenues to build uh community creatively and like mm-hmm. a creative outlet.
1: Yeah, there's so much you can do at Cornell. There's like an endless amount of clubs and groups and different. You know, interest you can take up. So I did really like that while I was there. My very last year, I took a gymnastics class. Really? I always wanted to do gymnastics, and I loved it so much. I was so upset that I didn't take gymnastics <laughs> since like freshman year. Like I would have been like Simone Biles level by the time <laughs> I, I finished. Like I learned so much in one quarter. Oh wow! Semester, yeah. So there's just so many cool things you can do. I was so sad that I didn't like know about it sooner. I would have taken it every semester if I
0: could have. So funny. I didn't even know there was gymnastics for a gym requirement. There's so many gyms.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's a really nice like facility too. Really? super
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice you talked about too, like getting to dance with other groups, right? And meeting people from Ithaca College. Like it sounds like even beyond community, the relationships you built at Cornell um, were fun and um, expressive. Mm
1: -hmm. I would definitely say so. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like I have made some lifelong connections there um, and would definitely still stay connected with some of the organizations I was a part of. Um, It wasn't all easy. Like I said, it was hard Mm -hmm. to kind of find those groups at first and build those relationships, but it is definitely possible.
0: Yeah. And you've mentioned like the barriers, right? And I think when having these conversations, especially like you, you've talked about the barriers. And I feel um, like as, as a white student, it was definitely like I feel like the community was maybe more built in being a Jewish woman, like the community was like more built in. And I never really thought about like doing community. And then we think about IDP. Right. And that's mm-hmm. a haven for a lot of people who feel like I, I mean, I felt not necessarily like out of place, but there, there's more, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. something missing. So can you tell me about your relationship with IDP and did that um, help make sense of those barriers or make meaning of those? You know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah. So yeah, so IDP, um, again, similar thing to what I did when I first came to Stanford, Mm -hmm. when I first went to Cornell, I knew in general, you know, the classes I was going to take, chemistry, biology, things like that. And I came across this course um, and I just saw that it was about dialogue. Um, And at first I thought it was going to be more of a class where we got to just like debate hot topics because I really like to argue. (laughs) My family always just say like, you should be a lawyer when you grow up. Like, I just like arguing. Um, And so that's what I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, we'll go. We'll talk about like hot topics. It'll be cool. So I went, which there is a bit of that, but it was just so transformative and like what the course was. Um, just like learning about mm-hmm. the systems of oppression that I, I knew about, but I never had like the academic, like knowledge. I knew it from personal experience, not from the yeah. academic lens. And so that was just cool to be able to put a name to some of my experiences yeah. and then the structure of the course, the way it's like set up and you get to kind of really deeply like learn, like meet people mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time. Um, and it was just such a cool experience. Um. And so that was my freshman fall. And so from that, my facilitators were like, you did really great in this course. I think you'd be a good facilitator. And so I ended up meeting with the D, who's a director. And she was like, we don't typically have freshmen do this, but like, you seem great, let's do it. And it was like a wrap from there. I was like involved my all four yeah. years. I ended up being a facilitator for four quarters. And then I also became a coach later where I trained new facilitators. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, I can't even explain it, how transformative that program was. I definitely use those skills, you know, in my research when I'm connecting with people and when Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, you know, tackle these really complex problems that bring in not just environmental issues, but like social Mm -hmm. race, income, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Yeah. I do need to use my skills more when I have conflicts. I don't use those skills as much as (laughs) I used to. Um, but yeah, I mean I literally could talk
0: all day about that program. Yeah, I and you know I've never heard um like the details of like the moment before you coming to IDP. I only knew you as my teacher. Um and then and then my friend and my peer. Um yeah. and I, I want to affirm your participation in IDP because yeah, Alexis was a trailblazer. Alexis became a coach and you really also you mentioned that the program was transformative for you. I would say that you were very transformative to the program itself and its development over time.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it changed a lot from when I first joined to when I left. I mean, when we first started my freshman year, we didn't even have an office. We yep. didn't have like staff really. It was just a few of us kind of doing things. Um, and so, yeah, by the time I left, I mean, the program had grown so much and even now it's, it's even bigger than when I left. So yeah, it's, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And to be a part of something like that, cause you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, um, finding community, building community, but then also transforming, uh, mm-hmm. what one thinks as community. And you said, um, what was so nice about IDP for you, it's like, when we talk about privilege and oppression, like we're a witness to it, um, and you you mentioned like it gave you a language, right? It gave you some um, means of communication.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely allowed me to better understand kind of some of the experiences I had had, what that meant, and how mm. my personal experiences fit into a larger structure and history.
2: Um, mm. And
1: so that was very useful for me to be just be able to understand, like that. For me, like, I really wanted to, like, over time, this grew when I was a freshman. I wasn't thinking about this, but later I was like, I want to leave, you know, either if it's just IDP or just Cornell as a whole, kind of be- a better place, especially for minority students than yeah. it was when I got here. And I feel that same way at all the different institutions and programs mm. I'm a part of now. Um, so, yeah, that language and just like understanding more that it's systems that need to change and not always individual people that was like a super powerful shift of mind for me
0: yeah and I'm writing that down because mm-hmm. like you, you mentioned like you have a hard time like retaining your dialogue skills when you're in conflict <laughs> I think once you're out of that space it's kind of hard in the real world to um remember in a way yeah yeah when there's like emotions involved um so I just, again, I want to affirm how you talk about IDP because I, I do feel like um, it's one admirable and also really um important that desire to leave Cornell a better place for um, students labeled or categorized as um, in the marginalized position and who live it. Um, how has IDP kind of entered your um, experience at Stanford? Yeah, so
1: actually, interestingly, there um, is kind of a similar-ish organization at Stanford, which I never got a chance to get involved with. Um, I was kind of thinking of like looking into them and seeing Mm -hmm. if I wanted to get involved again in that like specific type of dialogue work. And then the pandemic kind of happened and it just never really happened. Um, So I didn't end up joining the more dialogue related um, organization on campus. I did join this uh, environmental justice working group slash human rights lab. And so just uh-huh. a group of like-minded people, staff and students um, that are interested in environmental justice. that just wanted to come together and kind of brainstorm and how can we get environmental justice more integrated on campus and more institutionalized, things like mm-hmm. that. And so that group was amazing because I had some mentors that were really helping me um, that are now on my committee. And then I also was able to like Brainstorm. Okay, I'm thinking of this research project for my PhD. Here's how I see environmental justice fitting into that. Like, what do you all think about this? They're like, "Oh, you mm. could do this or this." And so, that was a really great group um, to kind of keep that social just more social justice, um, you know, avenue open for me. Um, I also, unsurprisingly, have done a lot of um, DEI work while I've been here,
2: mm. and
1: so I've um, done a lot of informal things, of course. Um, but I joined the executive board of the Black Graduate Student Association, and so I was on that board for two years, just helping to build community, um, specifically as social chair, mm-hmm. so I just really like to do, put on events for the community to get together, um, and then I also did some more formal DEI work through my school, so being a DI liaison for my department, mm-hmm. and then sitting on the school's um, council for DEI, and so just trying to get involved in like the different avenues that I can in terms of, you know, like I said, making places better than when I got there. there. Um, so yeah, that's some of the so yeah. more social justice like things that yeah. I've been involved
0: in. Yeah, a lot of uh, transformative justice too, as you're talking about, like transforming the environment. And also, I, I just also find it very amazing when you say um, leaving the campus better, Uh, Than it came before. I think that's incredibly important um, Mm -hmm. that you're thinking about the people who are going to be there. Just that is very, very important. I don't think people think about that enough. Um, So that being said, um, I'd like to hear one of your favorite memories from Cornell, like like a fun favorite memory.
1: Oh, that is a good one. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, actually. (laughs) Um, I guess I could say a few key, like, favorite moments. So one is um, I actually spent two summers at Cornell. Um, So I did the pre-freshman summer program, which is, like, right before you come as a freshman to Cornell, um, some students are selected to come early. You can kind of, like, adjust to being there. It's, like, another, like, diversity and inclusion type program. some like classes and stuff and just get adjusted so I was there that first summer and then I was also there the second summer during the same program but as a like a residential type advisor person so anyway during that summer I got to see fireworks on the slope for fourth of July and it was just really nice you could see them over the lake and um, summer I think is the best time to be in Ithaca the weather is like actually nice (laughs) for a few months you actually get sun too And so um, summers in Ithaca were actually not as bad as I would think. Like they were actually fun. And so um, I would say that's one of my favorite things. Um, One of my mentors actually took me out on the lake, on Lake Cayuga for like a boat ride. And that was super cool because I've only seen the lake from like afar, from like on top of the slope. So that was another fun thing that if anyone has a chance to like get out on the lake and experience it, then try to do that safely, of course.
2: Yeah. And I
1: think the last thing um there's lots of memories, but I think one of the last things um is I was canoeing or kayaking. I I want to say kayaking, I think on the lake, um it's it Cayuga Lake, the one that's on campus? I'm trying to BB Lake. It was BB Lake. BB Lake, yes. Yeah. So BB Lake. So we were kayaking, it was I've never done it before. Um so me and my friend were doing it. And then you know how there's like a rope and then there's like the gorge where you yeah. just like go down <laughs> so we were kayaking and we were heading towards that like rope and we were like we've both never done this before we were completely <sighs> panicking we were just like we're gonna go over the gorge it's gonna be terrible like we're freshmen it was just like so scary we managed and mind you we're going like one mile per hour like we're not river rafting like, <laughs> the edge but it was just like we're going closer and closer <sighs> So we finally figured out how to like turn ourselves away and it was like the rest of it was really fun. But yeah. So, I mean, I would recommend getting out of VP Lake, but just stay away from that side of the lake. Yeah,
0: I, I can just imagine two freshmen being like, what do we do? Yeah,
1: we were just like in complete panic mode. And oh. I was like, I don't even do water activities. Like I barely want to be out here in the first place. And now I'm like going towards the edge of this lake.
0: Mm. It <laughs> is. It is interesting to hear, Alexis, Um, like you have your studies in environmental sciences and all of the memories you brought up with me are connected to like the water and the land and just Cornell is such a wonderful place, I imagine, to engage in environmental sciences.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, we took this one of my favorite courses um, was called a field ecology course. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. Well, it was cool. But I also one contradiction about me that I just have learned to just accept is that even with my field being what it is, I do not like being out in nature. I don't like being dirty. I don't like bugs. And so it's just like it's a tough thing to manage. But I do it because I really like it. So, you know, anyway, with that course, which is so cool about Cornell, we got to go out into the forest. Cornell has so many like different research stations and we have the lab of ornithology. So we got to go there and like catch birds and study them. We got to like look at all these. We have like a really cool collection of like different species and things. So that course was really cool. Just got to do a lot of different hands on experiences. So, yeah if you're interested in like environmental science and stuff, Cornell's a great place because there's just Mm -hmm. access to like so many different types of environments and activities Mm -hmm. and things. But yeah, if you're someone like me, it can get a little intense sometimes because you're like in the water waiting, you're in the forest with, they give you a compass and they're like walk around. So it's, Intent.
0: I do remember you talk coming back from some labs into the office and you were like in rain boots or you were just. Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine that's the course where you have to like walk around campus and name like this is this tree, this is this tree.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was in that phase where I had to like learn all the tree names, learn all these bird species, learn all these like just a lot of identification, which was cool. Um, so, my- always like tease me they're like what's this bird what's this plant and I I would hate when I actually knew what it was and I'm just like oh my gosh and then they would start asking me such random things and I'm like okay I do have a focus like I don't actually study like birds or yeah so I don't actually know what that is but yeah yeah I, I did have that phase.
0: yeah it may it makes sense when you're talking about like the contradiction part of it because you are studying climate change which is also like you said, related to like systemic racism and classism and just the way even a university is structured. I'm sure Cornell is structured. I don't know, but like um, that isn't necessarily studying like being in like on the ground um, or in mud. (laughs) Um, But um, I imagine when you're doing that work, you are going to arid places.
1: Um, It depends. So let's go for example like when I was doing the the study at Cornell that my thesis was on it was in a forest system but I actually just it started with a, a class project and I actually just found a piece of like forest land on Cornell's campus and it was like through a parking lot it was very just I just found this piece of land and I was like this could work for my study and it wasn't until like I was almost done with my thesis that my advisor was like, hmm, maybe we should see if we need permission to like be out here. <laughs> so we figured out like who from Cornell, like owned the land. And um they, and they were like, yeah, you can have permission. It was just like part of their like, they just own so much like land and stuff. So sometimes it's a more urban forest interface space. I did a research project um, over the summer one time I was in Bangladesh. And so I was in like we were on a boat for a few days. We were like going through like the Sunderbond. So that was cool. I did uh, study abroad when I was at Cornell. So I went to Vietnam, Morocco, and Bolivia. So all very different environments. Yeah. So I've kind of been all over the place. Um, so it is really cool that with my field, mm-hmm. I mean, you can literally study anywhere on the, on the planet. And all these different types of ecosystems. So it really does depend on what I'm studying at the time, what my Mm -hmm. focus is. But right now I'm working on urban agricultural projects. So I'm working in cities, you know? And so that's That's interesting.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. The switch from being like at Cornell and then traveling like all around the world and getting to see so many different environments, but also cultures, like Mm -hmm. how the world works outside of you know our western bubble yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's very different and that was really great for me to kind of see the climate change impacts on different countries and different
2: mm.
1: communities um, so when I went to Stanford I really wanted to do international research um In hindsight, I'm very glad that I didn't pursue that because like I said, the pandemic happened like my first year. So I would have been like, just couldn't do work for two years. Um, But then I also found the power in doing local research. So that's why I'm doing my work in the Bay Area so that I can like make these longer partnerships with the communities that are around where I live now. Um, So there's definitely benefits to both. I would love to do international research again in the future, but yeah it is cool to step outside of the United States and the you know, elite university lens for a second and see what mm-hmm. else is out
0: there, yeah, because it it sounds like having been at Cornell and Stanford, right? You can have one idea of how the world works and then kind of seeing um, outside of that system and then mm-hmm. within a different system um. I had no, I, I think I did know how much you traveled. I just, I'm imagining just how many people you interacted with. Cause in the beginning of this, you said you have a recorder and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Cause I have one too, cause I interview people and are you talking to people when you are like locally, are you having conversations and are you making partnerships with people on the ground? You mentioned doing local work. So I'm curious mm-hmm. about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, so through my PhD I've kind of just tried to figure out for one what type of research I'm interested in and so I love being in the lab, I love being in the field taking samples and then going to the lab doing experiments things like that. And so, you know, part of my research is the soil science side where I'm collecting samples and I'm, you know, analyzing them for things. Um so I look at heavy metals, so like lead in mm-hmm. urban garden soils and so I'm looking to see if these spaces are, you know, safe for people to yeah. use, especially minority communities that are, you know, face food insecurity and things yeah. like that. And so um, through that, there's a there's the soil physical science side. And then I also became interested in learning more about the kind of social aspects of it a bit. And so one of my projects is interviewing gardeners to learn more about their perspectives and are they knowledgeable about soil contamination? Do they even know it's something they should possibly be concerned mm-hmm. about? Um, And so it's just been so interesting to hear people's different perspectives. And I've tried to get a range of people from different racial backgrounds, economic backgrounds, just to see kind of any differences or similarities there. Um, So, yeah, so that's why I have the recorder just doing interviews. And it is interesting how your interests can change over time, because like I mentioned, that first research experience I did at the University of Illinois it was a qualitative project where we were working with interviews. And after that summer, I was mm-hmm. like, this was really cool, but I don't want to do interviews. I want to do like lab work and have samples and yeah. full circle. Now we're back and I am like, I want to do interviews. <laughs> so it's just cool to be able to combine these different disciplines together.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was curious if you were talking to people because the act of interviewing um, does relate to a lot of the things we learned in IDP, um, especially in the work you're doing, where I, I imagine you're meeting people with a lot of different perspectives and relationships to um, the system. You know, some people m- might be aware of the systemic repercussions of where um, or of soil in general, as you're saying. And then there might be some people who that's what they see. So you're encountering people with different opinions.
1: Yeah, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different backgrounds, um, people who have, you know, done urban agriculture for years, some who only started because of the pandemic, you know, just like very different perspectives. So, yeah, I've definitely seen like the skills I gained at Cornell through IDP and also just meeting a lot of different people at Cornell translate into my work now. So, yeah.
0: Well, it's it's nice to hear that Cornell has well, Pockets of Cornell have provided like a transformative um, experience for you and like what you want to do going forward. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned, and I, I'll never forget this phrase, that you joined IDP because you want, and even like at Stanford, you want to leave the institution better for uh, people or students who are marginalized or in marginalized positions. Um, what is something you somebody listening to this either a prospective student or a current student like what is something you want to teach for to incoming students to um, something they should know
1: yeah I mean I definitely don't know how Cornell has changed in the last few years I I know there's been big changes but I think it takes it takes a longer time period for things to change you know substantially so I think some of my advice for incoming students especially if you're like a racial minority or i mean there's so many different identities yeah. out there of ways that you could sometimes feel like you're alone or that you're you know you don't have support it goes back to what i was saying earlier about community you do have to be a bit more intentional yeah. about building that community but one thing i had to like learn quickly is that at cornell you cannot do things all on your own i tried to uh, and it's really hard, you know? Yeah. And so I did, you know, realize okay, let me make some friends. Let me find communities where I feel supported, where I feel safe, where people are similar, but also different than me. Yeah. And um, I think that would be my advice is like put yourself out there a bit in the beginning
2: and mm.
1: just, you know, also if you can try out different things until you find a community that seems like, okay, this is yeah. going to work for me. Um, and that would be my biggest advice because mm. I think. I think it is common at Cornell to try to do things kind of on your own very independently and just kind of suffer in silence sometimes. And so I think the sooner that you can try to build Mm -hmm. that community through different organizations and avenues and things, then your time at Cornell will be a lot easier and it'll leave a more lasting impact on you after you leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that, especially you've, you've talked about like trying new things and, um, like gymnastics or yeah. do it. Yeah. Doing community. Um, cause you know, it's like, a, from my perspective as a white student, I, I had no idea how many different pockets of campus life there were, um, beyond yeah. like my white lens. Um, and I just, it, it's important to talk about, um, Like you're saying, finding role models and friends and teachers um, Mm -hmm. to be there. And um, yeah, I guess my last question is, um, what is something from Cornell that you've learned that's been transformative for you?
2: Oh, these are
1: some good
0: questions. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) reflecting back a lot of what I'm hearing.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess to be specific, I would say my, my most transformative like experience that I gained from Cornell really was being involved in IDP, like just that whole process and just really getting to know how to connect with people that are different than me, knowing Mm -hmm. how to go through conflict, learning how to just communicate. Then also, like I said, getting that language Mm for and that understanding of like systems of oppression. I mean, that will like always stick with me Um, and so that has definitely been that was like the biggest thing I gained from Cornell and then I think just overall Cornell was a great experience because it really exposed me to so many different types of people again like I said you have to be intentional about that because it's so easy to just stick to your group at Cornell whatever that group is it's like you can find it and just stick with it and so but you can be exposed to so many different people of different backgrounds and international students and even people from your own country that just completely different states, completely different experiences. So um, I think that was really cool yeah. for now. It's so I don't even know. Di- di- I don't want to say diverse, but <laughs> expansive. <laughs> yeah. expansive,
0: expansive,
1: exactly. And so I think that's, uh that was pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's, you develop friendships you wouldn't necessarily have created otherwise, it sounds like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly, which I think is cool. And a lot of that for me did come through IDP. Cause there, mm-hmm. I mean, me and you probably would have nope. never have met,
0: like, nope,
1: there's no way we would have met if mm-hmm. it wasn't for IDP mm-hmm. um, and just thinking about all the people I've met through that program that yeah. otherwise, even though we're on the same campus, we just never would have mm-hmm. crossed paths or even mm-hmm. develop a friendship more likely. And so exactly. I think that's super cool.
0: Yeah, I, and I feel the same way when you've talked a lot about like the demographics of Cornell and even the way like housing works and the just the way it's set up. I appreciated when you say like you, some people stick to their group and I'm like learning a lot from you about how that works. And I'm, my brain is going. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite incredible to find a program where it's like you're making friends by delving into conflict and making shared meaning out of things. Like I'm just thinking about some of the experiences we've had and it's, it is it is a beautiful thing to mm-hmm. grow together. So I appreciate you also saying one of the things you've taken for Cordell was uh, relationship building and just how important it is to learn with people and unlearn with people.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So is there anything you want to add to our conversation or anything else you want to talk about in relationship with Cornell? I think,
1: if anything, I would say um, specifically for my college. So I was in CALS in my department. Um, I, I am very thankful for the education I got there because it really prepared me to pursue a PhD right after undergrad. Like, I feel like I learned just so much about earth science, agriculture, just everything. Um, And I, like I said, those hands-on experiences were really cool, even though I didn't always enjoy them. They were really a great learning experience. Being able to travel abroad through Cornell's different programs and um, doing summer research programs. It was just really cool to I feel like I learned a lot in four years and I experienced a lot in four years. Yeah. So um, again, if someone's interested in this field, I think Cornell is a great place for that.
0: Amazing. And it's just, I'm so excited to see what you, you keep on doing, doing and doing it. next. It's, it's been <laughs> so you. fun to watch you grow. And just, I remember when you got into Stanford, um, it was just so exciting to see all this happening. And it's so nice to talk to you
1: yeah. Oh, again, thanks for having me. And yeah, it was really great to to talk to you again after so long. And I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fresh from the Hill. Music for Fresh from the Hill was written and produced by Kia Albertson Rogers, plus 2013. To learn more about the podcast and Young Alumni Programs, visit our website, alumni.cornell.edu slash youngalumni. And follow our Facebook page at Cornell Young Alumni Programs.